um, I see other people around me. Um, I think confidence also helped by looking and finding other examples of working parents who are making it uh, work and talking to them about how they were navigating it and saying, oh, I can do that too. Um, it doesn't have to look like the perfect Instagram page or whatever, or Pinterest. Hello, and welcome to the Helping Organizations Thrive podcast. This is your host, Julian Roberts. This podcast is to provide leaders with insights, discussions, and robust strategies to help their companies thrive. We'll be interviewing business leaders, owners, experts, and thought leaders in the field of business resilience. Do enjoy the episode. Welcome to Helping Organizations Thrive. Uh, today, I have the pleasure of Laurie Mahalik uh, Levin on the show. Uh, good afternoon and good morning, uh, Laurie, to you. Julian, good afternoon. And uh, well, yeah, to me, good morning. <laughs> yes. And good afternoon to you, sir. Yeah, good to see you. And glad we're having a conversation today. Uh, so you're a US-based lawyer and the founder and CEO of Mindful Return, which supports parents on their return to work after having children. Uh, also the author of the book, Back to Work After Baby, How to Plan and Navigate a Mindful Return from Maternity Leave. And you also co-host uh, a podcast called Parents at Work. Uh, so lots of experiences and people will probably get a sense and feeling what we're going to talk about today, just on the basis of what I've just introduced you as. Uh, we are will be exploring about helping work, working parents thrive. Um, before we get into that, um, I'd love to know um, uh, what do you love about what you do, Laurie? Julian, I love the opportunity to connect working parents to one another and to feel connected to a broader working parent community. I felt very, very isolated in the early days of parenthood and working parenthood. Felt like I was the only one in the entire world sitting on my floor crying alone in the struggle. And it turns out that I wasn't. And I just love helping people go, oh my gosh, me too, and allowing them to calm their nervous systems because they know they're not the only one suffering. Wow. So just just diving into that, really, and um, uh, it'd, be, it'd be interesting, I think, for the audience to understand in how you got where you got to, really, and sort of what were the challenges that you faced returning to work, having, having children, and and, and I'm sure people are going to identify with some of this, a lot of this, I'm sure. So just tell me from, from your story, really, of how you got to, A, set this company up, and B, write books about it. Sure. So I'd like to say that I wear three main hats in life. One is I'm mom to a now nine and 11 and a half year old. So the story I'm about to tell is about a decade old now. Um, two, I'm a healthcare regulatory lawyer. And three, I you know now run this mindful return program. But after I had my first child and I returned to work after parental leave, I found it challenging in part because said child would not take a bottle. And so my internal dialogue was, if I go back to work, he's going to starve and die because he won't take a bottle. And that was a whole journey in and of itself to figure out. Um, I had baby number two, two years after baby number one. And um, I am certain that I had some undiagnosed postpartum anxiety. Um Nobody was sleeping in our house. Things were going off the rails. And I looked around to find resources that could help me as a new working parent. And I found tons of two things. One, snarky advice about how I should not put a photo of my baby on my desk or my colleagues wouldn't take me seriously or I might leak on my shirt if I'm pumping at work. That was not helpful. And two, I found lots of baby-related resources, how to puree baby food and massage my baby and all the good stuff that we need related to babies. 
but I couldn't find anything out there about the personal and professional identity transition that I was going through and the struggle that I was facing. And so basically I set out to create what I wished had existed for myself when I went back to work after my two boys. So you combined the having the baby bits and then integrating that into a work context. And so yeah. what, what what did you come up with in terms of specific challenges when you went back to work? I mean, you talked about yeah. some of them already, but what were those specific challenges that, I mean, people talk about, I'm not a mom, I'm a dad, yeah. uh, and it might be slightly different, but the whole sort of guilt thing, you know, you said yes. like <laughs> that your, your, your son's not going <clears> to <throat> survive because he's not going to eat. Right. Um, yeah feeling overwhelmed, feeling you've missed out because you've been away perhaps for 12 months or so. I don't know how long you were off for, but. Oh, not whole... in the U.S., Julian, not in the U.S. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but yes. so there's a whole there's a whole host of stuff yes. you, you yes. get in this transition. And I think people forget it is a transition, isn't it? This is not just a going it's back. It's not to an event. Right. So yeah. I'd like to say that the, the return to work after parental leave is not an event. It is a transition process. It's a almost a year-long process. And some of the challenges that I faced, in addition to the, the guilt about the, the bottle, um, were uh, the transition to childcare. You know, learning to trust a stranger with my baby was a big deal. Um, the the Petri dish that is the childcare, right, where all the kids are bringing all the germs and the kids are getting sick and the teachers are getting sick and having, and that relates to the work schedule because it creates a really sort of volatile and unpredictable uh, work situation where you don't know if you're going to be able to go to sleep tonight and wake up and go to work tomorrow morning or if you're going to be dealing with a baby who has a fever and is, you know, barfing all over you. Um, you know, some of the other challenges included like the end of the day schedule. I had a lot of guilt walking out at the end of a day at a very defined time. I used to be the one who just stayed until whatever hour I needed to. And daycare closed at 5.45 p.m. And they charged us 10 US dollars per minute if we were late. And so you had to make the metro to leave. So I really had that dialogue running through my head of like, comparison is the thief of joy. I need to do me. I, and, and it took me a long time to learn sort of those messages for myself. Um, I think ramping back up into work and um, feeling like I wasn't constantly behind for the first couple of months that I was back. Um, there, there are strategies and things that one can do so that one does not feel like one has to read every single email that you missed during the time that you're away, for example. Um, and I think how a manager treats you when you come back can really affect your experience as well. So, I mean, I had some uh, people at my office who are fantastic about my return and others who basically said, I don't see what the problem is. Just like get back into it. Your life is the same. So just, just going on on your own experience, uh, we'll come mm -hmm. to the, the manager's piece and the company bit later on. Cause I think it's important to yeah. understand how companies can help uh, the employees who've had parental leave mm -hmm. uh, or even, you know, not just talking, we're talking moms or dads as well in this yes. context. It's, it's both. And the, some of them, even new dads who've not had parental leave as such, there's still a transition going on. Um, so as, as a mum, and, and obviously you, you've wrote about this, what are, what are your sort of key learnings of if you were to do it again, <laughs> you, you've done it twice, I know. Yeah. Um, I'm, and, and so if you do it again, what are the ways of managing that transition? Uh, and that's probably even before, I presume, you even go off from work. There's, a, there's probably a whole process here involved. Indeed, yes. To the extent you can have a written plan that's iterated with your manager and talks about your expectations and return and how much you'll be communicated with and all that, I think actually sitting down and having 
a conversation that gets documented in a written document can be really, really helpful. Um, in terms of what I learned and you know what I would tell myself to do the another time or tell a, a past version of myself, I sort of put the ad advice into four buckets and maybe I'll just pick out one thing from each of the four buckets. Um, but the first bucket is really to get your head in a in a calmer place. So sort of a mindful mindset for returning to work, which, you know, one small strategy is to just find one time of the day that you are alone and can center yourself and, you know, simple practice. But for me, it was the shower. No tiny person was attached to me while I was taking a shower to get ready for work. And so that was sort of like a multitasking of mindfulness. And the second piece is really um, to think through a lot of the logistics as you're going into leave and as you're planning to come back out. Um, one logistical piece that really helped me was to have a phase uh, in, phase into childcare and a phase in back to work. And those things did not coincide with one another, which was intentional. So having a couple of days when you can take baby to the childcare setting before you have to go back into an office can mm -hmm. be really helpful. Uh, third bucket is thinking about a leave and return through a leadership lens. And you know, I, I at the time thought, well, you know, I'm a parent now, so I'm less of an employee and I'm a, a detract, you know, it's a detraction from, that's not even the right word, parenthood as a detractor from my career. And in reality, I was able to sort of flip that narrative on its head and say, no, no, um, parenthood is giving me skills that are making me a better leader at work. And, um, you know, really trying to, f I would have told myself to focus on those skills and those competencies mm -hmm. instead of focusing on the fact that I had an end of day time boundary, for example. Uh, the fourth thing that I would have told myself to do was to find my people sooner. I wouldn't have sat alone crying <laughs> um, on the kitchen floor by myself. I would have connected to other working parents sooner. I think that's what made me become a serial founder of working parent groups at two different uh, employers because I really feel deeply and strongly that when we find our people, uh, we're better able to support one another and just better able to succeed in whatever we're doing. Very helpful advice there. Four key things. The mindfulness, I like that. That's really good to get in that place of uh, being with yourself in the mm -hmm. shower and just sort of switching off and, and engaging within yourself. Um, the, just the, the, the practical stuff is quite key, isn't it? And mm -hmm. I, I say not not doing too much at once, isn't it? Because uh, having had, I've got four children mm -hmm. and... Um, just I know the first one almost is like a thing that blows your world apart and then it gets sort of easier and obviously I wasn't uh, full-time my wife was full-time mum but um, it's still the whole logistics is uh, quite a challenge interesting on the, on the leadership aspect did you find so I presume were you in a leadership role when you went off on um, the first Davis? the first parental leave I took I was not and the second parental leave that I took I was okay. um, and so like I had been promoted in in between the two children, um, and clearly my work didn't suffer by the fact that I had a for uh, you know the the first child, um, but my confidence was shaken. Um, I was going to say, did did it affect confidence? Because that's what Absolutely. I hear a lot of is yes. a you have a break and the things have moved on at work, and no matter how short that break is, you, you just sort of seem to miss out, and then you're then managing and trying to got this whole thing outside of work that's very new. Yes, and and you got to leave work at certain times. So, how did you deal with that confidence piece? Because I think that's quite an important one to understand a bit more of. Yeah, I think it it has evolved over the decade that I've been a parent now, and 
there are some things that I think you just keep practicing and you get more confident at because, heck, it didn't fall apart for the past couple of years, so I must be doing it okay. Um, I really tried to, and one thing that I work with um, folks in the Mindful Return program on is reminding them of challenges and things that you've been through in the past that were also hard to navigate and recalling that you can do those hard things. And so um, I think a confidence boost for me was really saying, oh, like I went to law school, I studied for a bar exam, I was able to manage hard things before. Um, I see other people around me. Um, I think confidence also helped by looking and finding other examples of working parents who are making it uh, work and talking to them about how they were navigating it and saying, oh, I can do that too. Um, it doesn't have to look like the perfect Instagram page or whatever or Pinterest scene. Um, it's going to be messy and I can keep showing up one day after another after another. I think really it is showing up and proving to yourself that you can do it day after day. Yeah, uh, that's interesting. And the community piece, I think that's uh, it's not just for, for parents. I think we all need to build those communities around us and networks yeah. uh, outside of work that can uh, foster that confidence, but also provide places where we can just scream, shout, uh, <laughs> moan, <laughs> whinge, but also get some input and advice and perhaps, you know, in a nice way, gentle challenge as well of how we're doing things. Uh, but providing that support network. And I think as much as whether you're a working parent, I think we all need to adopt those uh, support networks uh, mm -hmm. around us uh, to really help us through life because life's tough and it, it's not to be done on our own, really, I don't think. Mm -hmm. It's not, not really. Um, and so just going from, a, I suppose, almost more of a, well, you actually alluded to it, the fact that you believe that if you're a parent, you've got some additional skills here. There's, and we need to, I guess, sort of bring a bit of a, there's something you're doing outside of work, whether you're involved in the charity or you're looking after a new child, some skills come with that. And I think we don't sort of tap into that. What, mm -hmm. what have you found in the communities you've been talking to and your own experience of how that really affects positively with organizations? Sure. So there's a neuroscientist at Yale Medical School named Ruth Feldblum who has discovered that the one year following the birth of one's child is the one year that the brain is the most neuroplastic in all of adulthood. And that's true if you're the, you know, a, a mother or a father, as long as you're intimately involved in the care of the child. And so, oh, so, our, so it's, both, it's not just the mother. It's the no, both. it's not just the mother. It's It could be a grandparent if they're, you know, they're really engaged all the time. Mm -hmm. um, and so, our brains are literally being rewired <laughs> through parenthood. And they're giving us uh, what my friend and colleague Amy Henderson likes to call career critical skills. And these things include the ability to prioritize amazingly well and um, courage and empathy and problem solving, conflict resolution. I mean, the ability to meet the needs of demanding clients who can't articulate their needs particularly clearly is one of them that often comes to mind for me. Um, so I think there are a whole host of things that, to put it in layman's terms, just make you grow up really quickly whenever you have mm. a baby. And um, you're able to be efficient and prioritize in ways that you weren't before because you you know what your values are, you're clear on what matters, and you get done in a day what you need to get done. So. That's really interesting. And it's interesting that the, the neuroplasticity of mm -hmm. your brain, uh, what what do they think causes that? Um, have they got a, a, a theory behind that? I I wouldn't want to speculate on what uh, what Dr. Feldblum was thinking there, but um, 
I mean, everything about how you have to uh, act in your day to keep another human being alive is probably what causes us to have to to make all these changes. So, yeah, so looking after some other human that can't right. really look after themselves, and I get, and also they they, they say that doing new things and challenging things uh, stimulates and rewires our brains. And yes. the fact that when you've got a baby, <laughs> there's a huge amount daily, you know, and obviously it peters off as, as, as the year goes by, but certainly the first sort of first weeks or so, you've got a massive steep learning curve, but everything's new, everything's challenging. And I guess that might be the whole rewiring going on. It's the rewiring. It's also what causes the massive shake of confidence, I think, because here you are like, competent professional you know how to do your job you go to work every day and then you come and have this baby and you suddenly realize that you have absolutely no idea what is going on in your life and that is very jarring for someone who considers themselves to be a yeah. competent human being yeah there's almost the it, it's like a transfer isn't it you, you go to a new area where you feel out of, yes. out of your comfort zone and, yes. and yes. floundering mm -hmm. and then you go back and think and you think that's going to continue i guess and that's what's going to happen yeah um, Yes. And yet you haven't lost any of your skills. That's what I try to keep reminding new mm. parents and their managers is that you're, all the skills you had before you became a parent are also still there. Your brain might be a little bit foggy because you may not have slept as much as previously. Um, mm. And all of the stuff you were able to do before is still there. You haven't lost that. And in fact, it's, it's as you say, flipping this and creating a new narrative is saying, mm. actually, you've got more additional skills. In mm -hmm. fact, you're a better employee now. You've got more mm -hmm. capability of making decisions, more value-driven, um, handle a lot more in terms of capacity because uh, mm -hmm. of the nature of what you're going through. So I think there's, it's trying to make more the more positive. And actually, when you're pushing yourself and stretching yourself up, it will feel difficult. It will feel a bit mm -hmm. uncomfortable, actually. So and that reason why. So turning to the, 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 the employer in terms mm -hmm. of helping working parents whether that's the mum or the dad um to i guess grow and thrive within an organization what have you found in either your own experience or what you've talked with other uh, people in your communities of what organizations are doing and what's really helpful to do with an organization to really embrace it and it's not just about i guess giving certain leave but just mm -hmm. i guess what, what, what things have you have you found yeah, so I think there are two buckets, right? There's the there are the policies that really matter, and then there's the culture and how the policies get implemented. And I think with respect to policies, having paid leave, um, making sure that it is offered um, in a gender neutral way to all parents, and also an inclusive way to everyone, no matter how you came to parenthood, uh, really matters. And also, I think having flexibility, particularly around an on-ramp and off-ramp, can be really helpful. Um, phasing back in, for example, over the first couple of months so that it's not, you know, full on 100% from day one can can help to make that transition a lot more smooth. Um, from the cultural perspective, however, I think there's a lot that companies, um, that employers can do that doesn't have anything to do with the policies or the money. I think... Um, First of all, acknowledging that this is a transition period, that the parents want to be loyal and want to be in this for the long haul and uh, communicating to them that you believe in them for the long haul can really help. I think um, taking their pulse on um, how they're feeling before they go out, trying to schedule uh, meetings between managers and direct reports um, on the way out and then on the way back in, um, viewing it, as I mentioned before, as a long transition process. So not 
you know, having one check-in when the person comes back, but having monthly check-ins for the first, call it six months or nine months that the person is coming back. Um, there are supports that employers can provide around um, backup childcare. I know that was really helpful for me in the early days, um, you know, a way to fill in the gaps whenever a caregiver is sick uh, or the child gets sick, for example. Um, and, you know, giving them tools and communities that they can connect with so that they feel supported and mentored through the process um, can really help as well. There's a lot employers can do to, to change the narrative. If I can offer just sort of one wording change to, um, you know, it is often the case that the cultural, there are cultural differences between women taking leave and men taking leave. And I truly believe that until we get to a place where care and um, parental leave can be degendered, that we will continue to face um, challenges in promoting women in the workplace. And so when you have, if you're a manager and you have a father who has just come up to you and said, hey, I'm going to become a dad, please don't say to him, are you planning to take any leave? Please say to him, when are you planning to take a leave? It just sort of mm -hmm. gently reformats the way that you're setting an expectation that he will be going out and becoming a caregiver. And that's a normal thing to do. Yes, uh, I think that the narratives needs to change. And I think also the the support, certainly from a women perspective, because obviously the whole uh, uh, given as a reason where why the women don't make more the top is because the whole going off a parental leave or is used against them in that mm -hmm. sense. Yeah. And and how is I guess as employees can we combat that almost that gender difference of high performers I guess and board level. Um, um, uh, individuals that are, are more diverse rather than being very male and white um, in that sense. Yes. And one way of combating it is to, um, it, when you degender who goes on leave, then it becomes less of a question of, oh, I'm going to, you know, feel as though this woman isn't committed because all people who have children are, you know, going to be going out on leave. I think also reminding people of the humanity of taking a leave. Um, can really help. For example, you know, there are people on teams who get annoyed that someone else is going out on leave, right? And you can tell them that first, well, one, it's a normal thing to do to have a human child. But second of all, it's a normal thing to do to have to take care of someone in life or take care of yourself mm. in life. And that you might have to take a leave, you might get sick and have to go out for six months, mm. or your um, partner or your parent might need to go out. And so it's not about parental leave and quote unquote choosing to take this time, but rather it's it's a normal human thing to do to have to take leave, period. I think can help destigmatize it a bit. Yeah, I think it's yeah, taking away from just the parental leave, as you say, mm -hmm. it could be your parents that are unwell and you yeah. need to take some time out to, mm -hmm. to look after them. And that's and it's it's companies that are, are far more compassionate and empathetic in that way, isn't it, in terms of seeing the whole picture. And yeah. Yes. It's interesting because I think the the more you are that way, the more you get back in spades from that individual. If you yes. are more relaxed about them going home at five o'clock because they've got to do some childcare, they'll often pick up on things later on anyway, not that they should do. Um, but also you have a lot more of their loyalty in the daytime. Yes. And, Absolutely. And as you say, I, I, I do believe uh, certainly working mums uh, in the context of the experience I've had are incredibly efficient, and very <laughs> good at what they do because they know they've got a they've got a deadline to, to finish mm -hmm. by. And I think there's something good about that and healthy. Um, in fact, we should all have a bit more of that, really. And I think we'd be a lot more productive rather yes. than just working through till six, seven o'clock at nights. Um, 
So what else can we do to, I guess, change the, the narrative on all this and ensure that we're embracing when people take some time out and uh, to encourage their career progression still and also to try and get that, that sort of confidence back? Because it's a massive transition. And I think mm-hmm. whoever you are, you know, you're the, the mum or the dad, it's a massive transition in your life. And I think it's probably not even notice of how big it is until you go through it yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, what are the sort of ways of, I suppose, building that confidence back again? Yeah, so I've, I have two thoughts on this. One is to normalize conversations about all of these topics, right? To make it so that, oh, I'm, I'm scared to raise the question of how she's doing. Or, you know, in the US, a lot of women are pumping whenever they go back to work um, because we get such a short amount of leaf that people are often pumping milk um, when they go back and normalizing the conversation. It's a normal thing to do to pump to milk because babies need to eat because all humans need to eat. Um, can And allowing the people to have the space to feel comfortable to talk about these issues, I think really matters. The second piece is, um, I think a really important one, which is uh, to stop making assumptions about what any individual person wants or needs or is, you know, planning to do. So for example, there's sort of a, a chronic problem of managers making assumptions that whenever a woman comes back from leave, she won't want that next big, huge project, or she's not going to want to travel, for example. And that may be the furthest thing from the truth. Ambition is one of the career critical skills that parenthood actually develops. And it may be that she really wants to dig into that next project. I have new moms who who I work with who return um, after leave and say, I don't want to go back just to sit at a desk. If I'm going to go back, I want to be doing something meaningful. And, you know, if I'm going to be away from my baby, it needs to be worth it to me. And so if you are a manager or a people leader Mm. to, you know, take the approach that you don't know what this individual wants or needs and to ask the question, you know, to keep all the options open and available and don't write people off simply because they've become a caregiver. Well, that, that's a that's a massive help, really, because I think that there's a huge assumption, isn't it, that actually mm-hmm. that person's not going to be able to do this because of mm-hmm. they've got a child now. But actually, you might not know that. So just just ask the question. They might say no. We may say yes. But it's it's to it's to not assume. That's really helpful, actually. I think that's mm-hmm. my experience is probably what has been <clears throat> definitely assumed and talked of mm-hmm. when somebody comes back, and that's uh, that's not helpful. Um, have you found the, you know, since COVID and people being working more remote and hybrid, has that helped this situation or do you think it's made it more difficult? Uh, what, what are your thoughts on that? Mm, I think it's a mixed bag. I think um, it has clearly helped in the department of uh, getting rid of commutes and being able to participate in beginning and end of day drop off and pick up and things like that in a less complicated way. It has very much helped um, the brand new moms who are nursing their babies who don't have to pump milk throughout the day because babies, you know, baby can be there and and feeding. Mm. Um, Two ways in which it has been more challenging. One is I think it can amplify the guilt to have the child in the next room um, when you're trying to work and you're you know, really decided, not deciding, but trying to feel like you do need to be in two places at once. And, you know, I've talked to a lot of parents who have purchased noise canceling headphones during the uh, pandemic because they, you know, needed to work and sort of be able to focus on on their role uh, in their job. The other thing I do, I think that the jury is still out about um, whether there is um, going to be sort of ongoing repercussions for people who choose to spend more time uh, working remotely than going into the office because um, decisions get made in the office and 
the the cool kids club might still be happening in the mm. office and it might be uh, the parents and the parents of younger children who are choosing the remote option when it's available. So I think companies and organizations need to be mindful of not creating sort of two classes of citizens um, within an organization, the, the button chair variety and then the, the remote remote team. So I, I think the jury's still still out, Julian. Yeah, and I, and I think it's 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 still out in terms of anybody within the organization in terms of mm-hmm. the whole remote hybrid working. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I think, as you said, there's some real positives and flexibilities with it uh, that can really help you know create the whole sort of childcare stuff. Yeah. Uh, and if somebody's sick, they can sort of, well, as in if the child's sick, they can still sort of do a little bit of work and that type mm-hmm. of thing. Um, but I'm not entirely convinced um, if those in the office might be benefiting more from those who are not in the office, uh, mm-hmm. depending on the, the company. And I think it's for companies to really watch out for that. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely. Um, thank you for your time today, Laurie. Thank you for your insights. Um, it's been really helpful. And I think it's good to challenge the narrative and to make sure people think differently about it and um, to really help working parents. They can bring a lot more to the party. In fact, I'm not their brains are in a much better place and um, got more capability. So encourage it and really foster it even more so, really. So I think it's create a culture where we embrace it. And we've obviously got to embrace all, all, all aspects of life, but certainly the, the working parents. So I appreciate your time. If people want to connect with you and get in touch with you, what is the best way of doing that? Sure. Well, first of all, thank you for having me on, Julian. And also thank you for elevating this really important subject and creating the space to have this conversation. Um, If they want to connect with me, um, mindfulreturn.com is uh, the best website to go to. You can feel free to link in with me, uh, Lori Mahalik-Levin, like our page on LinkedIn. Um, I co-host the Parents at Work podcast and uh, do a Tuesday tip for working parents on Instagram. So you can follow at mindful return. And then you can find a copy of my book back to work after baby on uh, Amazon and all the places one finds literature. Brilliant. We'll put all those links within the show notes after this. Uh, Thank you for your time again. Much appreciated. Thank you, Julian. Have a great day. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode. If you do like this episode, then please do rate, review, and share with your friends and colleagues. As a coaching practice, we coach high-performing leaders and teams with extreme ambitions. We'll help you to go beyond what you believe is possible. If this sounds like you, then let's have a conversation with me. Contact me at julianrobertsconsulting.com.